Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, it's Simon from Ace Podcast Nation, uh, where we've got videos, discussions and podcasts on pretty much anything you can think of from films, uh, movies, wrestling, mixed martial arts, uh, mental health, parenting. There's going to be a lot of content coming out. Uh, So today I'm joined by a guest. Uh, His name is Jacob. You can find him on Twitter, uh, ADHD Father at ADHD Father UK. Uh, Today's show is generally going to be about ADHD, uh, something which is very important to me as uh, my son was diagnosed with ADHD approximately three years ago. Uh, So over the next sort of couple of weeks, I'm going to be speaking to various people, uh, charities, people who've uh, got the disorder, Uh, hopefully some experts as well, but they're a bit more difficult to get hold of. So uh, thanks for joining me, Jacob. My pleasure. Thank you to be on the show. It's going to be good fun. Hopefully. Either that, it's just going to be a car crash. (laughs) Everything everything will go wrong and the stream will go down. But uh, I want to try and and tackle some stigmas and some... I want to discuss a lot of misconceptions people have of ADHD. Uh, And there's a lot of them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so before we do, just before I start drilling you with questions, uh, yeah, just wanted to read out a thing for people who perhaps are not uh, not familiar with ADHD and perhaps what it is. Uh, so ADHD is a condition that affects uh, three times more males than females. The average age of diagnosis is actually seven which I was very surprised that I thought it would actually be a bit older than that. But, um, yeah, uh, symptoms usually start between three and six years old. Again, I was very surprised by that. Um, my son was only diagnosed, like I say, when he was, well, three years ago, so I was sort of 11, 12. Uh, it's, ADHD is extremely hard to diagnose and test for, as a lot of the symptoms are typical in 
all school age children. Uh, ADHD is a condition that makes it difficult to concentrate on tasks, pay attention, sit still con and control impulsive behavior. Uh, this often leads to inappropriate remarks or behavior in settings like school, uh, particularly in children. Uh, that's what I've read. So that's like a little paragraph from a, one of the charity websites. Um, just for people to get, you know, if someone's, you know, they're not, uh, what's the word, they're not familiar with perhaps what it entails. Uh, um, so, Jacob, could you tell me, uh, what was life like for you before you were diagnosed with ADHD? Like, um, what were some of the, perhaps, the issues which you had? Or just, I don't know, general, you know, if things were difficult with behaviour yeah. or... Um, so. I was diagnosed at 13. Um, so I remember sort of most of my schooling, sort of primary school. Uh, I can even remember before that having, go, having like sort of reports saying, you know, Jacob was really imaginative, got a really good uh, creative mind, but he always seems to daydream. He always seems to switch off. And I always had trouble with uh, literary stuff. So I'm dyslexic as well. So a lot of the stuff, I think, with schooling, they thought it's probably down to uh, being dyslexic um, back then. Um, and then going into sort of primary school, it was similar stuff. My behaviour, it was normally sort of, I was always a bit of a joker. Um, and I think the knowledge back then was just not very good. You know, ADHD wasn't really a big thing back then. It was sort of, even sort of practitioners thought it was not, sort of naughty kids and I was naughty but I wasn't naughty enough that I'd get in trouble I was quite cheeky so I'd be I'd do something naughty and then go you know sorry you know I was always told by my mum you know if you've done something naughty as long as you apologize straight away you can't something really went from that and then going into secondary school I went into I started at quite a rough school where I think because I was not very there's a lot of naughty kids before in front of me that were getting in a lot of trouble. So I sort of, it's probably just got missed and the, the dyslexia sort of took over. So I was in bottom classes. And back then, if you're in the bottom classes, you're normally with the naughty kids. So uh, even if you're quite bright, but you struggle with dyslexia, you just put with the naughty kids in the bottom class. And then I moved to another school, which was quite a sensible school. They were a bit more forward thinking. Um, and that's when I think they were sort of, one of the teachers had said, look, there could be this thing called ADHD. You know, we think it might be that. I wasn't much aware of it. I think I knew he had he knew my parent, uh, my mum, and probably said to her, look, it's something that I would recommend you get tested. Um, and then, so that must have been year eight, year eight into year nine. So before then, I was just getting in trouble for like little things, like just really impulsive things. Like I remember... Uh, really stupid things, just chucking stuff, <laughs> just chucking shoes and uh, getting in detentions. Back then, they were quite, the school I was at were quite strict. So before, you could do loads and you didn't get detentions. Where this school, you know, if you do one thing, you'd get detentions. So I was getting quite a lot of detentions or after-school detentions. Uh, but it was mainly just doing stupid things like showing off, really. Um, and then sort of diagnose. I remember bits about my diagnosis, like having the assessment, but it's quite blurry. It was so long ago. It was mainly just asking weird questions at the time, just thinking, it's a bit weird. Um, and then I think how my mum sort of talks about it, she says, you know, uh, the summer before I was diagnosed, 
we went away with a friend of ours to France and she said you could see she felt there's a massive difference between my behaviour and this boy who was quite appropriate probably at dinner times and like uh, was able to be quiet when we were having food or out where I was just like non-stop she said she said the only thing uh, they had like a fishing lake and the only thing that kept me still sort of for that time was uh, fishing a friend like they fish and I think that's when they first noticed you know actually the only thing I could concentrate was something like fishing you know I remember I don't know why back then you know, I never really loved fishing, but it was something that I could really concentrate on and it was really still. And she said that was the only thing that kept me quiet. And like for about two or three hours, I suppose it was that my first exposure to like being hyper-focused and just fully focused on something. And uh, I remember on the trip, we planned to go to a fishery one day, set an alarm at like five o'clock in the morning. And I was up straight away and my friend had actually... He was just like, no, nah, I can't do it, can't do it. And then so after that, she'd noticed like, my behaviour was very different than another boy, I suppose, because we had stayed, we were away for like two weeks and then obviously the referral went in. And then from then, obviously starting meds. And I think my journey was very different. And I suppose in some ways, I, I, I didn't actually mind going on meds. I was like, well, I'll, I'll just take them. Took the meds. I remember feeling a bit odd, uh, a bit cloudy for the first sort of, because I was 13, first couple of weeks, maybe a couple of, uh, but then it definitely made a difference. You know, my, I was able to concentrate a lot more. And then up to the age of sort of, I was 21, 22, I didn't really question it. Took my meds. I remember one, uh, I always explained it to someone like why, they were like, do the meds work? And I said, for my GCSEs, uh, one day I forgot to take my meds uh, for my I think, biology exam and I was mm. kicked out after 10 minutes of the exam for basically just messing about, not just distracting other people. The next day, took my meds, sat for a like, two and a half hour exam. So for me, I was like, right, I can start taking my meds because you know it's affecting you things. You like... difference yourself then, I suppose. Yeah, it was, it was a bit, I wouldn't say it was scary because I was so young, but I was a bit like, you know, this is massive, you know, if I can't sit, you know, 10 minutes, it's nothing really. And then through jobs, you know, I, I went into sort of landscape gardening, which was really good for doing exercise, which was great for getting rid of some of that unwanted energy. So I'd come home absolutely exhausted. Uh, so I didn't have that extra energy in my body. I'd sleep, work, sleep, work. And then went into uh, pub work where you had to be a bit sort of, lively to do that sort of work so I loved that I think uh and did sort of loads of different pub work and then went into club work which you know you have to be really energetic really lively doing promotion stuff and uh it was only <clears throat> it was only when I went into sort of I'd done club work and promotion stuff for a long time and sort of did all right never really got in trouble because on meds um and I think you need to be a bit uh lively in those sort of jobs and yeah. it, so it seemed normal I suppose most of the other people I worked with uh, were sort of very lively were used to staying up late and doing stuff like that and it was only when I worked in healthcare I got to the stage I was like right I need to do a proper job all my family worked in healthcare I started thinking actually you know those things I was saying you know I'd say not in slightly inappropriate jokes or I'd say stuff, which you can say in the pub. If someone's, you know, there's always a bit of banter, but if you've got to be serious, you just can't get away with that. And I was getting in little bits of trouble or 
saying things or doing things impulsively. And I was like, you know, I need to start actually doing a bit more research about this ADHD stuff because I've just been complacent of taking a tablet, taking a tablet. Then I looked into it and, you know, I found from looking into it, the more and more I learned, uh, it was great. But then the more and more I learned, the more I was sort of, in some ways, expanding, you know, about hyper-focus. I didn't really... The more I learn about it, the more actually I'm noticing it. And so it feels like actually it's getting more of a problem than it was before maybe. But yeah, for me, it's like the first bit was not the difficult bit. It was, it was really, it was later on when I actually learned about the ADHD. That's when I sort of struggled more. Yeah, I suppose um, when you're younger, the parents or the doctors, they tell you this is what's wrong, this is what's wrong or this is mm-hmm. what's going on. This is what you need to take, and you kind of just go along with it. Yeah, definitely. and then as you go into adulthood, you think about it more, and you and like you said, you look into it more. Like I know with um, with my my son, he had a lot of like not loads and loads of problems, but he had a lot of problems in primary school concentrating, um, and he was fidgety, and he would they were getting worse and worse by sort of year seven. Um, sorry, yeah, his teacher in year seven, uh, sorry, his teacher at the end of year six sort of said to us, look, I really think you should get him tested. And I'd been so against it. Like my wife had sort of said a few times, I, I do think he's got ADHD. We should take him to someone. And I was just, because I was so ignorant in my view of what it was, mm. I was against it and I dragged my feet and I was really stubborn. So we didn't get him tested till end of year six, start of year seven. And then, like, going into it, it didn't seem to bother him at all. He was happy. You know, he wasn't, he was rated that he wasn't able to do what he needed to do in school. But he didn't worry too much about the testing process. However, I'll never forget the days that we went in and they told him, yeah, you've got ADHD and he's got official diagnosis. He was devastated. Mm. He, He felt. Like he's, I don't want to be different or this and that. And it was only then that it hit me how much that, just that change in, you know, nothing had changed at that point. Being told mm. you've got ADHD, but it made a huge difference to him, uh, just in how he viewed himself. Yeah. And, and being like, comfortable in his own you know, skin. In my full time job at work uh, for a mental health uh, trust. And we notice some people really struggle with that diagnosis of, you know, I don't want to label on me. This is, you know, if you label it, then that's something different to me. I always found for me, I needed a diagnosis. Well, I felt like late now as an adult without a diagnosis, I'd be like, well, what is it? You know, um, you know, I explained it as my brother, uh, he found out he was dyslexic at, I think like 28 so quite late in life. And he said for him, he was really annoyed because he was like, I was sort of stupid. And actually, I'm just dyslexic. Mm-hmm. And why, if this was found earlier, then I would have got a lot of help. And actually, you know, I, I didn't do well in my GCSEs and A-levels. And if I would have got that help, I probably would have done well. And uh, he felt really resentful in the schooling system for missing that. And actually, he went on to yeah. get a you know, a degree uh, in politics and did his master's. And so, so for oh, him, wow. it was, 
it showed actually with support, it doesn't really matter if you're dyslexic or not, with the right support, you can get that. And he, for him, like without that diagnosis, he wouldn't have got the support <clears throat> to do, get that extra time or more support with his uh, exams. And I think he would have struggled a lot more. But he said actually with the support and the diagnosis, it really helped him to then get his grades. Yeah. <clears throat> the thing as well is like, like when I was in school, I'm a little bit older than you, a few years. But like, if you had, if you had people who were diagnosed with ADHD or dyslexia, there was no way it was getting the bottom set mm. and basically do what you want. Yeah, yeah. So like, there was no help, and you know, you think of all the people over the years, you know, way back in like the 80s, early 90s, who didn't get that support. Oh yeah, and maybe they never got around to a position where they could have that support until they were in their, sometimes in their 20s. And then you're like 10 years behind everyone else your age in terms of what you know what you want to do or if you want to go to university or whatever. Mm. So, we speak to a lot of people that are diagnosed at 30, 40. And, you know, that I think is a bigger struggle because you, yeah, you, cool. you have got that answers of like, well, you know, if I knew this, I could have got more support. Like, in my employment, they give me quite a lot of support. And I think they understand because of my ADHD, I might say stupid comments or be a bit more impulsive or um, I need a lot, you know, my I'm the only one in my open plan office that's got my own desk that's got massive sort of wall up and I've got my own ear, like, defenders. And it mm. looks very strange, but if I didn't tell them I had ADHD or I didn't have that diagnosis, I wouldn't get that support. And I think, you know, I probably wouldn't have lasted working in the NHS for as long as I did because they would just be like, you know, this this guy hasn't got a reason for some of the things he's actually doing in the office. He's not struggling. Yeah. If you're lucky, yeah. If you're lucky you've got people, obviously with the NHS, mm. they're a bit more um, aware of it. Yeah. Familiar with the, the difficulties that you might have with that. But like, you know, another boss might not be... So yeah. Might, because like... Do you know, I was thinking about um, early on, like I was thinking about some of the most common misconceptions about ADHD. And I was reading them and I was like, this is what I used to think. Mm. Because it was stuff like this ADHD just doesn't exist. It's just like a pseudoscience. There's just a myth. I always tell people, I remember working on a, uh, it was a detox ward for drug and alcohol. So the nurse I was working with was a mental health nurse. She'd done her training. Uh, she didn't know about my ADHD. And we were talking about ADHD. I don't know how it came up. And uh, she went, yeah, but it's just bad parenting, isn't it? And I was like, so, I was like, so what? And she went, yeah, it's bad parenting. And I was like, no, no, I'm pretty sure it's, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure it's not. She was like, yeah. And uh, our mental health trust has an ADHD department, hires, I think, 15, 20 staff, they see over a, a thousand people uh, on their caseload. I said, "Oh, I don't think they would pay for all this if it wasn't if it was just bad parenting." She was like, "Nah, you know, I just don't, I didn't, you know, it wasn't around when I was younger." And she was a little bit older than me, not much. And I was like, "Well, I think it was. It's probably just the knowledge wasn't there." Yeah. And that, that's you a know, scary thing that yeah, I never thought, you hear you know, people talk like that. And I thought, you know, fair enough if you're Bob who works in, you know. Uh, who works in sort of construction? Mm. You might have that opinion. You've not, no one's ever talked to you about ADHD. 
if you're a mental health nurse, you should know that stuff. And I think I think they're better now. I speak. To, I work with a lot of new nurses, and their knowledge is a lot better around, especially ADHD. Um, but yeah, I remember for me, I was like, you know, she didn't know actually. My mum was, you know, had just won like nurse of the year that year for being yeah. a mental health nurse. My dad had set up his own business in Gary, though that that NHS. Yeah, yeah, and I think that, I don't think that was probably about six years ago. And I think things have changed massively yeah. since then. Yeah. But I think you know that whole rubbish around bad parenting it doesn't stick with me. You know, I've got great parents. You know, both. Yeah. You know, I think my ADHD probably comes from mostly my dad's side, and I think he used the creativeness of ADHD to succeed in his career and did stuff that I think. Uh, so he was. He was a barber and he was one of the first uh, white barbers to bring in the hair designs in, in England, especially. So he oh, did right. all the designs. So he used to cut a lot of uh, footballers' hairs before games. He, he cut Frank Bruno's hair. But then he went, used that creativeness. I don't think he really liked the cutting the hair. I think it was more of the creative patterns he did in there. Mm-hmm. Used that to get into the art industry. And then so he then got a lot of his work. So he was he put on Banksy's first ever art show, art oh, wow. exhibition. So that was in a council estate in a place in Bristol called Easton. And then, uh, <clears throat> yeah, did loads of art stuff and then used actually, I think the, the thing I get, I think it's the promotion, you know, I've always done promotion stuff. And I think it's that not being scared, the ADHD, not being scared to actually say stuff. So go, right, I want a photo with you. Can I speak to you? Can I do this? You know, and that's what we use, you know, in some of the stuff I do in my work, I think it's that not no fear of just pulling someone over and saying, look, this is what I need. Can I borrow it? Or can we use this? We've got a mental health group. You, you know, we want to do this. Can we have some money off you? Can we have this footballer come to our football group? Can we have this? I think I, that's the bit of ADHD. I love that sort of no fear and, uh, passion, uh, the downfall, I suppose, is the hyper-focusedness mm-hmm. uh, is an absolute killer for any relationship. Uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, there's loads, I always talk, when I do talks about uh, ADHD, I say, you know, without my ADHD, I wouldn't be as far in the NHS as I am. For So I'm, I run a lot of projects, so as well as seeing people in the community with their mental health struggling and families, I've always done projects. So it might be we set, so we set up a mental health festival. It might be I set up a sort of um, gardening scheme so people on the wards could take part in a competition, and then that competition would be judged. I've always done projects and stuff like that, and then uh, I think that comes from the sort of impulsiveness to just go right. I'm not fair. Let, that, this is what we need to run. We need this amount of money. I oh, will get it. And then just sort of blagging it and going, can mm. we have this money? Can we do this? Uh, this is great for your PR. I think the great thing about mental health now, there's a lot of businesses that want to tick that box of we help mental health. And so we'll take advantage of those businesses that probably are doing it for PR reasons. And yeah. so we might say, right, that's brilliant. You can say you've worked with us and that's great for your PR. We need some money to help fund this project or we will get something out of it for our service users where traditionally they wouldn't, you know, 10 years ago, people didn't really care about mental health. I suppose the difficult thing is the hyper-focusedness is it just, I think 
Yeah, it's just a killer. Like I think it's great when you quite I think I had it for my GCSEs and A levels and I remember staying up like for like thirteen like all night doing exams. Uh and I remember doing it for my garden here. I remember working through the rain, building like a trench for seven hours without having going for a toilet, having any water, just digging, just completely in the zone. Uh, so when you need it, it's great uh, for my work. It's amazing when I need it. I can write letters to companies or businesses and just be just they'll be out within sort of five, ten minutes. These amazing letters that are really passionate. But yeah. then when you want to switch off, it's, you know, I suppose the difficulty is, you know, when you've got a kid, it's really, you know, I was just saying, uh, I just had a slight disagreement with my wife today because uh, we were bathing my daughter and I run a football project, which is, uh, I think with ADHD, you know, I'm quite, some people with ADHD struggle with that anxiety stuff. I, I've never really struggled with that, but I struggle more with the sort of over uh, confidence massively. So, I, you know, I know I'm very good at my job. Um, I don't need people to tell me I'm good at my job because my, my head's big enough, I suppose. I'm lucky I've got a, a wife that grounds me very much. But, uh I'm running a project which get is luckily at the moment doing quite well and getting a lot of press. So it means I'm doing interviews and people going, Oh, this is great. You're great. You're great. And then it means because of the hyper-focus and us wanting that extra sort of uh, hit of, Oh, you're great. You know, let's, let's keep doing more. I end up staying up late tweeting uh, companies, tweeting professional footballers. Oh, can we do this? And having conversations because the football, like professional football world never sleeps. So there's always people I can speak to on there. Yeah and companies I can chat to and now with Twitter, Instagram and loads of social media, it's, it's a crazy one for it. And so I remember just making a phone call like for five minutes about having, you know, my, I'll come home and just, I can talk for like two hours to my wife about this. And she'll be like, look, you haven't asked me how I'm doing, how the, how your daughter is. And it's not because you are a mean person or a nasty person. It's just your brain is like a computer that just wants to vomit all this information out. And for you, it is as important as, you know, I would say when I'm hyper-focused, I focus more, there's more uh, importance on what I'm doing than there is eating, drinking, going to the toilet, uh, speaking to my family. And and I suppose that's the scary part of it. Uh, It's great when you want to do something that is time-focused, the trench, it had to be done. Once it's done, it's done. If it's a long-term thing, I had it when I first started a job and I was going in on my days off. Uh, yeah. And uh, it was a bad employer because they just let me come in. So I was just coming in, doing loads of projects, <laughs> talking about it. And uh, yeah, so there's good bits. And like for me, I had to sort of, there's things we've had to do now because we're just expecting another baby. So I've had to, delete my work twitter off my phone because i was just i was on it all the time yeah it takes it takes takes you away from the family yeah and i think with adhd as well as sometimes i think or certainly a lot of people won't realize that everyone when you hear adhd you think or the person who's got it they can't focus they can't they're not able to sit and do a task whereas Depending on the task mm. and depending on the person, it can be the opposite. Like you've just explained, like my son, before he was on medication, he would struggle in lessons, but he plays football for an academy and he could, he plays in goal. 
and he could concentrate for 90 minutes without yeah. switching off for a split second. But he was struggling lessons. And, like, for me, you know, before I didn't do it more and stuff, I could never understand that. I was used to say to my wife, how <laughs> yeah. can he possibly have ADHD yeah. when he can concentrate for over 90 minutes? Like, and it's like, like you say, it's hyper-focus. It's not even like he's just paying attention to the ball. It's completely yeah, yeah. in that space. There's nothing else. For me, like, I, you know, I'm lucky my wife's pretty understanding. She's, she's her knowledge on ADHD is great. But I think I read something, uh, 50% of ADHD couple, uh, marriages end, end within, uh, end in divorce. Uh, uh, and that's not wow. even including the, I don't know what the average normal percentage is. I think it's like one in three. Um, and I can see why, because if your knowledge isn't there, you just look at the person, you know, she didn't know actually this age. She's going, she'll just go, this guy's really selfish. He's, why is he always on his phone? Why is he talking about, why does he not care about the family? But it's that, it's like a drug in some ways. You're just so, uh, yeah, you just, it's, and I know a lot of people that say they love being hyper-focused because it is like a drug. It's that chasing that sort of, chasing that energy. And it's amazing to get stuff done. Me personally, I like it for some things. I don't like it for others. <clears throat> for me, it means I don't sleep well. Um, and it's great for short periods. But, you know, this football group's been going like a year and a bit that I run. And I'd say... It's been pretty hyper-focused for about a year and a half. So a long time, isn't it? It's a long time to be, you know. I remember I was hyper-focused. Just watched into something constantly. Yeah, I was hyper-focused on one stage on magic. I spent like <laughs> about hundred pounds on magic tricks. Some of my sons. And uh, my wife would be in the bath, and I come in, I go, pick a card, any card. It's like literally, mm -hmm. I'm in the bath. Can you? And I'd be like, all right, all right. What about this one? And she'd be like, and we'd go to like, I remember work doing a ward round and chatting to a doctor who was on the ward. And uh, I legit made him think I got, uh, I had this mag <coughs> sorry, magic ring, which was magnetic. And I'd put it underneath the normal watch and it would stop the watch. And he didn't know that. And I was like, I actually think I've got a problem. I, I think I can stop time. And he was mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. And I did the trick to him. And uh, he was legit, like, fully invested. He was like, oh, my God. I actually think... Like, I think he believed in magic somehow. <laughs> and I said, like, I was crazy in it. And now, couldn't give a shit about magic. Couldn't care about it. Uh, got a box of the tricks. But for that point, for that, I think, five months, I was mad for it. Uh, yeah. And my son's been doing that recently. Just keep... uh, yeah, I don't know where it comes from. You know, there's benefits to it. It means I've done loads of amazing hobbies, but I suppose it's it's that knowing when... I think now my knowledge is a bit better, so I know when I'm going into a hyper-focus. I know I need to make changes. So for me, I have to get rid of the Twitter. I had to. I have to sort of... My work, I need to make changes, so I can't do anything to do with my football group to do with work unless I've done all my other jobs. Um, at home, it's just about making changes that... I try and leave my phone out of the room for most of the evening. I now don't go to bed with the phone in the room. Um, and I'll still wake up at three and think, right, I need to text this person, this person. But without those changes I'm making, I'll just be up all night. And I think... It's not healthy. Then, yeah, it's not healthy. And I think that's where I think the ADHD... The, Your body The, the negative part of ADHD and how it affects families and wives and kids. I think 
my dad had side effect like sort of ADHD traits and like what, what I remember the annoying bits of it we would be out and he'd just be chatting to people promoting his artwork promoting his shows and we'd go out for a family walk and we'd be chatting to his mates for like an hour every 10 minutes we'd stop and chat to someone he'd do the same spiel and I was like I remember thinking you know it was great you know I'm sure he didn't he didn't know what he was doing but as a father, I think, you know, do I want to be that? And I know I've done that. I know I've been with my daughter and taken her to events uh, and sort of ignored her to promote other things I'm doing. I suppose at least in some ways I'm aware of that and I need to make those changes. But, yeah, as a parent, it's really difficult anyway, like we were saying earlier. But I think with a, as an ADHD parent, I think it's just, it's just a minefield of, like, not fucking up and trying to keep your kids safe as well as... Yeah. Uh, that's our biggest worry like my biggest both of us we worry so much about like him just doing something impulsively yeah and ended up like doing stuff or something just because I think I gotta say a lot since you've been taking medication a lot of his impulse issues tend to be verbal so we try to give him as much uh, stuff you should and you've got to put it up and it's, I find it difficult to juggle that sort of medium of allowing for the fact that sometimes he can't help it, mm. and and other times, um, and other times you've got to say no. Look, you you can't be doing that. Yeah, you can't yeah. be saying that. So it is difficult. And when he had his diagnosis, like I say, I dragged my feet for ages, even over the testing. I'm just and gonna then, get my charger. Yeah, gonna... yeah, go on, crack on. Yeah, you carry on. I can hear you, sir. The, um, so then he had, they sort of tried a few different things in school and some help plans and stuff. And I just, they wanted to put him on medication and I was really, really against, didn't want to medicate him. I thought he was too young. I didn't think it was necessary. But, you know, he went up to year seven and he was struggling so bad and he was really finding it difficult to, for a whole variety of reasons. I can't, anxiety and concentration really really difficult for him so eventually you know i agreed and i said yeah okay and then as soon as he started taking his medication within a few weeks everything changed for him so yeah when he uh, like i eventually sort of agreed yeah let's let him go on medication but the difference within, like, once you go through the first couple of weeks of being on it, the, he completely did a 360 in school. I think that's the thing we've said, you know, it, as a parent, it's really difficult. You know, I think where I am, you know, I think me and my wife watched a documentary on uh, kids with ADHD. And uh, they're talking about, uh, does the medication work? Is it properly tested? It's uh, the reason they give it out is because there's a little bit of research, but really, I think the research, so to give out medication, it has to be on science. It has to go through some sort of research. But I think the main research, uh, the main ADHD medication, uh, the evidence show it works up to, I think it's something like, six months that's what the evidence says after that there's no evidence that they're aware 
uh, what we've done that proves that it works after that. Obviously, for me, I, I feel like it has worked. Uh, so I think in the show, they're talking about mindfulness is helpful. And it, it brought up that conversation of if our daughter had ADHD, would we medicate or what age from? I think a lot of the kids in the documentary were having it from primary school, sort of, what's that, nine, ten. And I said, I was quite surprised at my answer. I was like, no, I don't think I'd want her to be on meds that young. And my wife mm. was like, well, if it's affecting her schooling, that could affect her career and stuff like this. And I said, well, it's difficult. It's really difficult as a parent to know when is the right decision. For me, it felt right when I was at secondary school. I think there wasn't so much pressure. And I know as an adult, SATs don't really, for me, the primary school uh, exams don't really mean anything. The main ones are GCSE no. and A levels. Um, and so I look at, I think I was looking at how medication has benefited me. So it's benefited me. I've got a job I can keep. I've got, I was able to pass my driving test. I'm able to keep my relationship. Um, I'm able to have good relationships with my family because I think medication holds me. The bad things about medication are definitely stunting my growth. So most of the men in my family are plus six foot, six foot one, six foot two. Most of them are over six foot. I'm the smallest in my family, so I'm five ten. Um, it's affected. The medication I'm on now is slightly different, but before the medication I was on, I wasn't allowed to drink on any medication. So if I wanted to go out or Christmas or events like that, I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't take medication. So that might affect how that day had gone. Um, it's definitely affected um, my appetite. It affects my, you know, when we're out, if I'm on medication, I don't eat really. Uh, like, most days for lunch, I might just have a packet of crisps, uh, a snack, maybe a bit of fruit, and that's it. Um, and then off meds, I'll eat loads, you know. So, and I had to look, you know, when I yeah. talk to people uh, about their mental health, we talk about medication, and a lot of people were like, no, nah, I don't want to take meds. And I, my way of thinking it, I said, you know, try med- try, it, try it without meds, try with. But I think, you, for me, you really have to give meds a good six months to a year. You know, I'm on a medication now I'm probably not that happy with, but I've been on maybe seven, eight months. So I'm going to give it probably four months more to then go, actually, I'm going to go back to my old medication. Um, but I know, you know, and it's been easy for me. I know a lot of people that go, right, side effects are so much. And that's the difference. You know, the side effects for me are lots of appetite. I know a lot of people that struggle with a lot more side effects so it's difficult that conversation is very difficult you know for me loss of appetite is a, is something i'm willing to lose i'm willing to not have an appetite so i'm able to function yeah Some people, the side effects could be a lot worse where actually you need to say you know is it worth taking this medication and as a parent i suppose that's the difficult thing if you've got a son or daughter who's having side effects is that i know they take medication they might be able to you know um concentrate more but then how you know how is this affecting their life it's a really difficult you know there's not one right answer i think it's about having those open conversations different for everyone isn't it you know every every child every person is different and what works for one person might not work for someone else and i mean one of the things which like you know so even now even though i know 
his medication is helping him massively and it's helped him do a complete 360 in school. He's in all top sets and this, that and the other. Is if he forgets to take his medication or something, like on a Saturday or a weekend or he takes it late and I see the difference in, in him in that period, that's a real quick reminder of how yeah. much it helps him because he, it just... It's so difficult to explain to someone, like obviously you know because you've been in this yeah. situation with yourself. But sometimes when I be I'd be talking to someone uh, who hasn't been in the situation or who doesn't know anyone with ADHD closely, they don't realise how hectic hectic and het up things can yeah. get very quickly. Uh, and when you add in all the tos- testosterone and hormones of a teenage boy, yeah, it uh, it's fun. Well, because I, yeah. I had two older brothers, so I was the youngest of three. And, uh, yeah, I was just, you know, all over the place, you know. And I think... Being That's young, the best way to describe it. Yeah, I think, you know, as a, uh, with three boys anyway, the, the family's always difficult. Uh, and I think it just got to a my mum was probably just like, right, we need to look at this because it's... You can maybe get away with it when you're primary school or younger than that. But I think when you start getting secondary school in there, is that changing, you know, becoming a, a young adult, you know, what things need to change, really. And I think it's so difficult for the young person, but also the parent. And I think the difference is now, I suppose, I've been on meds for maybe 20 years, you know, 20 years. So, like, it's crazy. And like, I, I suppose the difference is I used to notice those days when I didn't take meds. I remember being young and, uh, I would not take meds on the weekend. And I would just eat. For me, I would just eat and eat and eat. And it would be amazing. In some ways, I'd have like a fry-up, like a massive fry-up. Then I'd have snacks. Then I'd have like mid-lunch. Then I'd have tea. I would just have to eat. Uh, and then now, I, I don't know, because I've been on meds for so long, they, their effect is not as good as it used to be. So... Uh, this medication I'm on now, if I don't take it for a day, it's still in my system. So it's a good thing is I could, I can forget a day with this new medication I'm on. Uh, it's still yeah. in my system. But then you get complacent in some way because it's still in my system. I, I don't know now what it's like to be off meds fully. You know, last, I remember at Christmas, they were like, right, you're going to be like this first time in like, five years. I've been off work for 10 days over Christmas you need to take a medication break to see what you're like off medication. And I was like, yeah, that's great. But I've got a, <laughs> I've got a child. I last one day uh, before going back on meds because it's fine if you don't have a child to look after it, but, you know, I'm responsible for someone's life. And, like, so when we talk about risk earlier, you know, driving, driving off meds, I wouldn't, for me, I just couldn't do that. So then I have to expect my wife to drive for 10 days over Christmas. Also, I noticed after like the first two days, I was just really doing that annoying stuff of, for me, it's constantly seeking, a, it's not even approval, it's just going, if I'm bored, I'll just say to her, you're right, you're right, you're right, mm-hmm. how's things, you're right? Because I'm bored, I want something to entertain me. So if that's just annoying my wife, I was doing that, and I was like, that's fine when you're young, but when you've got a child and your wife's <laughs> been up all night and then all day with the child, I just felt it wasn't fair me to have a medication break and so that's the difficult thing now 
I just it's great having a child, but you just don't have that time to be off meds. Yeah. See what what uh, what is Jacob like off meds as a thirty two year old thirty one year old uh, guy. Last time I had a proper medication break was probably about four years ago. So you know I'd love to have it, but it's, you know it's just, you just can't do it with kids. Uh, mm. And so that's the different thing I think being a child. I used to love having those breaks because it'd be exciting and also scary. You see what you like, and it was like. I like that Jacob a little bit, but I quite like the Jacob on meds as well. It's nice yeah. to have them for a weekend, but any longer, I'll just annoy people so much. Uh, so, I'll you know, like, so say, like, tomorrow morning, you didn't take your medication. What's the difference between how you feel this, mo- this morning and how you'd feel tomorrow without your medication? Like, so, the medication I'm on, it's similar to. It's a similar sort of, uh, they told me it's a similar effect as antidepressants. So you take it every day and it's in your system and, it's in, and it builds up and builds up and builds up. So if I did forget to take it for a day, it's still in my system. Okay. There's other benefits to it. Uh, I can drink whilst on the medication. Mm. Um, uh, where before my original medication, if I drunk, it would just be horrendous. It'd be like one pint would be the equivalent of four or five pints. And it would just be, it would be the nearest. I've never taken drugs. But I would imagine it's the nearest to uh, taking drugs. You just your head spin. It's a horrible drunkness. Um, yeah. So this one's quite user friendly. If I forget it, it's out of the system. But I suppose I noticed after not when I did the last break over Christmas, I didn't take it for two days. So it would have slightly been out of my system. And I was just annoying. I was really impulsive, really um, unthoughtful. Uh, and it's fine to an extent, but I think like you'll know yourself having a kid is just grueling, absolutely yeah. grueling. There's no rest, and uh, so I remember like the second day, I was just like, I felt like a ch- I was being, I had reverted to a child role, and my wife was looking after me and my baby. So I was like, you know, I can't do this as a dad. You know, I, I think dads are pretty we can play the fun character a lot of the time but i think it's fun and we can also play the child character character sometimes but i think to do it full time i think she'd just leave me i honestly think yeah. if i was on meds i think she would probably have left me a long time ago because i think me on meds is a very selfish it's, it can be for me i can seem selfish i don't think i am selfish. i think i seem selfish and seem very uh, so impulsive that it just takes over that I, I remember this is being on meds I remember saying to someone I did when I first started the Twitter page it was because there was no information out there for dads with ADHD and I, I remember being like oh this is really scary I don't know like there should be some little handbook or what to expect so then I started doing like little tips so stuff like someone told me about uh, to build um a routine it takes three months so if i want to start brushing my teeth with my left hand and i normally use my right hand i have to brush my teeth for three months before my head starts to realize actually this is the normal way to do it so that's why you get gym memberships that the first three months are discounted because they recommend after that three months we've got you yeah most people after a month don't carry on because they don't keep it up for three months so i thought well my daughter's due in six months so after six six months before she was even born we started locking my medication away so by the time she was born and then 
old enough to get to my meds, the routine is they're always locked away. Yeah. So that's why we set up the Twitter account. But then like there was loads of things like I remember when she was born, and I think when especially when you're first born, your wife and any mum is hyper focused on safety. I think that's a natural thing for a mother to be like. And then with me, with ADHD, I'm hyper focused on uh, impulsivity, and that's even on meds. And I remember having the like newborn baby. I think she must have been a couple of weeks. I'm walking down the stairs like, hey, and like <laughs> the banister's not that high. And my wife was just like, oh my god, I feel like you're dropping down the stairs. Like, I think I was just like. She was like, just hold her close to you while you're walking down the stairs. I was like, no, it's fun. It's great. She loves it. And she was just like, you need to understand that like, your, I think dads anyway struggle with it, but especially ADHD dads, that, that fear, that fear of uh, our impulsivity around driving and stuff like that. So with a newborn child, your risks is just, you know, you're not focused on risk. And so I was doing, not really risky things, but just doing stupid things, like not thinking, right, if I hold this baby stupidly and walking down the stairs I could slip and then the baby's going to be really hurt instead of just holding the baby normally um so I remember when uh I thought I was born like just a few issues that we were talking about like risk like my view of risk is just completely different than my wife's and especially with the ADHD my my view of risk is I'll walk across the zebra crossing because the zebra crossing so the car's got to stop instead of going actually I'll stop wait for the guard to stop, then I'll cross. I'll be like, no, it's not. it will cross. It will stop. And those arguments still happen with me and my wife or disagreements. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing. As a parent of someone with ADHD, I think my mum probably worries about my risk around, I remember I got a moped recently because I uh, changed jobs. I was like, actually, it's cheaper for me to run a moped than drive. And all my family were like, you're going to crash, you're going to lose your license, you're going to, you know. I remember my dad saying, one of my friends, he died when he was your age. And he died, in, well, no, he was 18, he died on a moped uh, accident. And I said, yeah, but that, back then, did you have to wear a helmet? <laughs> and he was like, no. I was like, well, that's after, that's after battle. And I remember, and I said to him, look, I can understand a lot of people look at what I'm like in my day-to-day life and go, I would not have him on a moped. But for me, I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to test, actually. Can I be focused? And there was, there's been a few hairy moments, but I think I always cycled. So I was always used to a bit of risk whilst on the road. So for me, it wasn't too bad. But I remember my parents being, my dad saying to me, right, I'm really, you're not going to do it. And I said, the thing is, Dad, I'm 30. I'm married. I've got my own house. What can you do as a yeah. parent? And he was like, "Well, right, I'm telling your nan." I was like, "What's she gonna do?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "That's not gonna work." And he was like, "Well, I feel like as a parent, I need to have this conversation." And I said, I, "I appreciate it. It was a nice gesture, but I suppose as a parent, that's that risk of is my son or daughter gonna make these you know risky decisions? Um, I'm lucky. I've made a lot of risky decisions, but they've never put me in danger seriously. Uh, they've just been." Mainly, my main risk is just impulsivity around yeah. saying stupid stuff. But yeah, as a parent, it's difficult. It's a, it's really difficult as a parent with ADHD. As a parent without and a son or daughter with ADHD, it's just like yeah, it's a completely different ball game, and and put into the mix siblings and their knowledge of ADHD, and also if, even if the brothers or sisters have great knowledge, I remember my brothers didn't get, like they're like. 
I love you, but you're getting a lot more, uh, getting away with a lot more than we were, uh, if that's because of ADHD or not. Um, so there was at times a bit of uh, arguments around, how come he's allowed to do it? Because he's got ADHD. And then arguments around that. And there's probably yeah. still now, there's probably comments that uh, they'll go, fucking hell, what you, like, on the family WhatsApp, I think I'm probably the one that posts the most. And I'm aware my brother doesn't post much of his kids, probably because I'm posting three photos a day going, look, my daughter's just had a poo check this poo out or like mainly just crazy stuff like that. So it's, it's yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, I think um <clears throat> like for I can only imagine, but <clears throat> like when you've got ADHD, you're trying to manage your own impulsivity if you like. And then if you've got to then cater in the risks of your daughter as well as the risk for yourself it's like it's an extra risk so for people looking from like obviously in your head you know you're fine walking down the stairs with the baby but to other people they're thinking a double the risk type yeah, thing yeah. you know what i mean and so it's, it's, it's a weird different. one but it's it's like i say it's you can't like with for instance with my son <clears throat> I try to let him learn by his own mistakes because that's the only way you do learn is by making mistakes and then learning from them. Uh, but he does seem to struggle with verbal impulsivity. If I tell him off or my wife tells him off, his first thought, or he's not even his first thought, his first reaction is to, go on the defensive and say, no, I wasn't, or no, I wasn't, no, I, you know, something like that, or he'll say something a bit rude. Whereas physically, um, I don't think he does too much like physical impulsive things, which might sort of put him in danger or something like that. But he does seem to very much, even with the medication, and, you know, a teenager as well, you know? It's, yeah. Uh, just you know, grumpy, moany teenagers. I think a really good thing is being able to reflect. I think I, everything I say impulsive, you know, impul you know, if I say you know, something that can be seen, you know, I'm very lucky my team I work with are very uh, understanding. Because I can say stuff that can be, if you didn't know me or didn't know my team, you'd be like, oh, this guy's really rude sometimes. He's saying this thing, that could be quite hurtful. I'm lucky I've got an amazing team that understand that. Like what I'm saying doesn't come from that. But then, if I say a comment, I will, I will think about it. If I know, you know, there's a few things I've said, you know, last week that I'll, I'll really reflect on that, and I probably over reflect in some ways and think, yeah, oh, you know, I definitely I shouldn't have said that. You know, I've really let myself down there. I think the, if you can then go right, I'm reflecting on it, and then apologise or do. Yeah, you know, it's great in work stuff. You know, for me, uh, I'm able. I'm lucky. I don't see everyone every day, so I'm able to have a couple of days to calm down and go right. I shouldn't have said that. I was bad out of order. Da, da, da. Um, and in relationship, you know, I was chatting to my wife earlier, and she said, "You know, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have phoned work whilst the baby's still awake." 
I was like, yeah, but, you know, I was getting the milk. It made no difference. And she was like, you know, you shouldn't have done it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, mm. but no, honestly, it made no difference. You wouldn't have known if you couldn't hear. And I know deep down, she's chatting right. I'm chatting absolute rubbish. I shouldn't be phoning my work whilst my baby's awake. It can wait a quarter of an hour until she's asleep. Yeah, and then I'm going to go, right, yeah, you're right. I, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, and it's, as a child, I think it's really difficult to do that. I think as an adult, it's a learning thing. Just like I said at the very beginning, my mum always said, if you can apologise straight away, that's great. And I suppose in some ways it gets you out of trouble quickly. But then if you're not reflecting on that, then you'll do it yeah. again. I think what you're saying about your son learning from his mistakes, I suppose learning from your impulses and learning the things, you know, I'd love to say, well, at 32, I clearly haven't learned much if it's about learning uh, about impulses, because I'm still saying it. I suppose it's about learning how to react once you've said something. Because with ADHD, you're always going to say, you know, I'm never going to say, I remember having a chat with a boss, and she said, you're not going to do that again, are you? And I said, I'll be honest, I probably will. <laughs> uh, but I won't do it on purpose. Like, it's not, I'm not doing it because I mean to. I'll do it because it's just impulsive. But just know if I have done it again, when we have this conversation, I'll be really apologetic about it. And I know I shouldn't have done it, but I'll, I'll be honest, I probably will do it again. Um, so it's about being honest and going, actually, I know when I'm good, I'm great. When I'm not good, I can be, it's probably seen as quite rude, uh, impulsive, say stuff that can be quite nasty. But I'm lucky my team, I suppose, we're in employment, they're knowing what I struggle with and actually I'm able to go a couple of days later look, I pull that person and say no, I shouldn't have said that it didn't come from it wasn't me I don't blame it on my HD all the time but I say you know it was just me being impulsive obviously I don't mean that um, and actually some of the stuff I've said in the past I've been like why did I say that it's a really horrible thing to say to someone who is a friend of mine uh, it's like when someone goes oh it's banter but you're fat, uh, or uh, it's any banter. I suppose it's not banter, it's bullying. And I suppose that's yeah. the, thing, the impulsivity stuff, it just comes out like, you, you know, it's like that inner voice that when, uh, that says that those comments that you would never say out in person, but the ADHD will say out in person. Um, I remember I said in the team meeting recently, uh, <laughs> there was a doctor who was visiting three people that day, which for most nurses, that's you know, that's a normal day. Most of our staff will see four or five people a day. <clears throat> and some of the staff are like, oh, he's got a busy day today. He's, you know, he's seeing three people. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's like a normal staff, but gets paid a lot more and seeing a lot less people. <laughs> yeah, I suppose he is like a normal staff, but not really at all. Uh, and I'm lucky he won there because he would have, you know, he could have gone, right, wouldn't have been impressed. Yeah, he's really pissed off. He was just taking the piss out. Uh, and luckily, they get that I don't mean it, and I do appreciate him and all that stuff. But, yeah, it's, that's the difficult thing. I suppose at school, you can get away with that in some ways. I suppose when it's employment, it... it yeah, you're looking at... We were saying earlier, I'm lucky I've got a good employer. I know a lot mm. of people with ASD have got shocking ones, and they're not well looked after. Yeah, right, um, Jacob. I'm gonna have to go in a minute because my laptop's about to run out of battery. Um, no, but I would, if you're if you're up for it, I would like to get you on again so we yeah. can chat some more. And uh, I would 
because like I say, I want to do a few different shows on different stuff and um, mental health and ADHD, but you know, both of them I want to really cover and talk about in depth. So like it'd be good to do it over a few different shows and go yeah, into definitely. some different uh, different aspects for it, if you're up for it. Yeah, no, that'd be brilliant. I'll be up for that. Be cool. Um, thanks for coming on. Um, obviously thanks I'll arrange with you when we can do it again. Um, just tell the people what's your Twitter or your social media tags. So uh, Twitter and Instagram is at ADHD Father UK. Um, if you need any tips or you just got some ideas or anything like that, or you think, you know, you know, I spoke to a few kids, uh, people's kids, and said, actually, you know, this is what I've used my ADHD for my work and the benefit, the good parts of ADHD for my work, and actually it's made me succeed in doing quite well. Uh, but yeah, follow me at ADHD Father UK. Cool. Uh, I'm Simon. This has been Ace Cast number one. And uh, I will see you all soon. Thank you for watching. Like, share, and subscribe. Hi, guys. Thanks for watching that uh, show with uh, Jacob. It was loads of fun. My anxiety level, I, uh, anxiety levels were through the roof the last couple of days. I've been a bit nervous. I hope that didn't spoil it too much. But I'll get used to it and I'll become more relaxed speaking to you bunch of humans. Uh, so, yeah, like, share, subscribe, spread the word. I'm going to be doing a few more shows with Jacob about mental health, varying different subjects, not just ADHD. Uh, it's something which is important to both of us. Uh, I'm also going to be doing some more interviews with some guests, uh, which should be a load of fun, doing some football, some wrestling, some MMA. Basically, anything we can think of which is interesting to talk about, we're going to do it. Uh, as I say, like, share, subscribe. Come follow me on uh, acecast underscore nation on Twitter. Come say hi, and I'm always open to feedback and suggestions on new shows. Cheers, guys. Thanks for joining us. Podcast Network.